for joining us today for the Christ First podcast. Today on the podcast, we have one of our really good friends, Blake Pay. We grew up with Blake here in St. George, and he has a really awesome story. We're, we're so excited to hear what you have to share with us today. Um, if you could just start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your journey in the church and with your testimony, I think that would be helpful to set the stage for our listeners. Yeah, sure. Long journey. I think there's a condensed version and the long version with many, many experiences. Medium version. I was baptized when I was eight, but never really went to church. My parents... My parents were divorced when I was five, and so living with my dad, Sunday was like hang out with friends, play video games. I think I was mostly baptized because my grandma wanted me to be baptized. Fast forward, I moved to St. George with my mom around 12 years of age. Even then, I think none of my family members went to church or were active. And it wasn't until about sophomore year of high school that I think I really became open to just exploring avenues to be a better person. I had really close friends like like you two and and my buddy named Zach who if I like slept over at his house, it was like a rule I had to go to church with him the next day and and Bailey and and all the other friends were always trying to get me to church. Um I would go sometimes, but uh it wasn't like I said it wasn't until I was about 15 that I started exploring church and just kind of going and reading the Book of Mormon and really feeling the spirit. I distinctly remember reading in the Book of Mormon, Mosiah 5, verse 2, which is really popular scripture, but I remember reading that and reading like how they had no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. And it totally resonated with me and and my desires. That was like the spark of like, oh man, this is true. This can help me do that. And it felt so right in my heart. So fast forward a little bit, I started becoming a lot more active and going to church and submitting my will to Heavenly Father and going through a repentance process of all the things that I've done and uh, really feeling the redemption and and the grace that that Jesus Christ offers. I served my mission in Nashville, Tennessee, and that was life-changing because my mission is what taught me the gospel. I feel like reading the Book of Mormon helped me feel the gospel, but going and and studying and teaching others helped me understand foundationally what the gospel really is. And so I, I feel like I came back from my mission a completely different person. Got married, have a few kids, moved down to Arizona uh, in an awesome ward and actually got called to serve as bishop for a few years, which was an incredible experience. And that kind of brings us today. Like, I don't know, it's kind of the condensed version, but a really wild, wild journey that has been very fulfilling. I love hearing that story from from your angle because me, I actually got the opportunity to grow up with Blake and we grew up in the same ward. We lived kind of across the street from each other. Seeing him come to church was so great because when he first moved in, we were trying to get this new friend to come with us to church. (laughs) Blake was always a really great example to us, especially when we were doing mission prep together. That was, that was really fun. So you kind of mentioned that there was a time that you just had this desire to follow Christ. Can you kind of dive into that switch that happened with you and why you were seeking to be a better person? 
Can you go into that? Yeah, great question. So for a, for a period of my life, maybe a year and a half, two years, um, my older brother came to live with us. And I love my older brother. I, I learned a ton from him. Spiritually, he wasn't the best example. And I feel like I tried to, to model after him a lot. He, I mean, spent a lot of his time going to the bar and he would come home drunk. It, at that point in my life, though, he was like the coolest person ever. Um, I was like, man, I, I want to be like him. He's so cool. He's like good with the girls. He's like working and getting money, right? And he has so much confidence, you know, and even he shared like, hey, like, you know, you you should try and like have sex with girls soon and you should try and like do these things. And it just wasn't like the best influence ever. He moved out about that same time I was, I turned around 15 is when he moved out. And I noticed the feeling of just his presence being gone was different. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm not so bought into his lifestyle. Just by him leaving, it was like a, a realization of like, okay, I don't have to do that. You know, not that I can't do that, but I don't have to. And so it just led me to believe like, in my head, I was neutral, right? He had kind of brainwashed me to like members of the church are the bad. They don't know what they're talking about. It's all made up. And so I was kind of on that mindset. And when he left, I was like, I'm neutral. Like, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's not true. Like, I don't know if what he was doing is the right thing to do or not the right thing to do. And then I would just kind of started my own journey without any immediate influence. Luckily, my family, especially my mom is super supportive of like anything I was doing, right? You know, as an example, and she, at the time, she wasn't super active in the church. And my stepdad, like, smoked and drank in the home. And, and my mom would drink sometimes. And she would tell me, like, hey, if you ever want to drink alcohol, let me know. And I'll, like, let you drink it at home so you're safe and you can try. Or, hey, mom, I'm going to church. Awesome. Go to church. She was super supportive either way and just very loving. And as soon as I started going to church, she started coming with me. Like, just to see the change. And this is one of my, my biggest testimonies that the gospel blesses families is because once I started going to church, you know, reading the Book of Mormon, following the Spirit, my relationship with my mom changed 180 degrees. There's no more arguing, just so much more loving. We wanted to be together a lot more. And we actually both prepared to receive our endowments. And we received our endowments the same day in the temple, which was just a really incredible experience. So anyway, I think when my brother left is when I realized, hey, I can make my own choices and experimented on on the gospel. Wow. What, what a crazy story. It's amazing when you have watched somebody grow up. I've talked to Carly about this because she has a pretty amazing story too. And looking from the outside, I just saw both of you as such strong people and knowing your backstory, I understand you are even stronger than I ever imagined. So thank you so much for sharing those intimate details and those special testimonies that you've gained over the years. So you served as a bishop in Arizona. Uh, how old were you when you were called to be bishop? It's 24 when I got called to be bishop. Yeah. Wow. 24. Okay. Yep. Um, so my husband is serving as a bishop in our ward right now. And he was 29 when he was called. If someone is called to be bishop 
prior to age 30, their name has to be submitted to the first presidency. The first presidency has to reach out and basically say if it's okay or not and ask extra questions. So that happened with Matt. I was just curious, could you kind of tell us the process of you being called, especially at 24 years old? What was that like? And maybe some of the confidence that you gained from knowing that the Lord was wanting you to serve at such a young age and kind of some of the miracles that came about from, from being called. Yeah. Really interesting turn of events. So we moved into the heritage park ward in the Mesa stake. Um, we moved down because Paige got a promotion with Neaters. Um, so she was kind of over eight stores in Arizona. And so we moved down there bought a house and uh it's just in this cute kind of area cute community it was really interesting my, all my callings i had in that ward were really short other than bishop so kind of started going and attending the ward and the first our first time there they're giving a talk about fast offerings and how if you're asking for help or for welfare they might tell you no I remember hearing this talk and I like leaned over to Paige. I was like, that was a really hard talk to give. Like, holy cow. And it was kind of like a mission ward is what it felt like. Like kind of a lot of people in shirts and jeans. And I guess we didn't realize because the community we lived in was really cool, but it's just kind of a, a more needy area. And so the more we got going, that we got to know the youth, got to know the ward members. I got called to be young men's president and that was awesome. And it lasted one week. And I got released over general conference. <laughs> Whoa. Um, so I was like, okay, well, there went my calling. After that, I got called to be ward, ward mission leader and was there no more than a month. And then I got called as second counselor in the elders quorum presidency. And for that one, they, they kind of called both Paige and I in and let us know, yeah, we want, we want you to be in the elders quorum presidency. And so I was like all excited. I had like one presidency meeting. And at the time, the bishop had been serving for a little over six years and he only had one counselor, like one of the other counselors like moved away. So they called us in the next Sunday. So it was like a week after I got the calling. And I was like, oh man, Paige, like we, we probably need like more training or something. Like I was like totally oblivious to like receiving another calling. It had only been a week. And so the stake president brings us in and all he says is like, hey, welcome in. Thank you. Here's this letter. And that's like all he says. So he hands me this letter and I'm reading it. And it says like, you know, President Turley, your request for uh, Blake Pay to take Bishop Kirk McNeil's spot as Bishop for the Heritage Park Ward has been approved. And I was like, what? <laughs> Like when my hands are shaking, I was like, is this a joke? And like, I hand it over to my wife and she's like, what? And then she's like, looks at me super fast. It was like, what? And he's like, so what do you think? And so we talked about it for a long time. And he went over that process about how, you know, there's uh, my name really came up a lot as, as a replacement for the bishop. And they actually called me into the elders quorum presidency so I could go in and meet the stake president like that was like their plan so uh, obviously i accepted and i know i was meant to be bishop at that time because that ward was really reliant on the bishop before like the bishop was the handyman he like went to everybody's houses like any need he went and the prior bishop bishop mcneil was just that guy just hands-on if there's a problem i'm gonna go fix it kind of person i was not that guy right i'm 24. I have a family. I have a job that was like 50 hours a week, 40 minutes away. Couldn't be that guy. And so COVID was happening. Nobody was going to church. I was like, hey, Bishop's kind of easy. I was the one that was supposed to transition that like, hey, I'm the bishop. I'm with the youth. If you need help, call your ministers. 
if you need welfare assistance, call the elders quorum president or the Reef Society president. Like I'm mostly hanging out with you. And you know, it was interesting. We had ward members that have been in that ward for 40, 50 years, really kind of stuck in their ways. I had a sister whom I love so much. She's just looks like the oldest lady you've ever met, but she is just so nice. Sister Taylor. I remember one time we were at a youth activity and she was there and she's like, you know, I don't expect you to like know how to be bishop, but I expect the Lord to teach you how to be my bishop. And she's like, and I don't expect you to act like a bishop because you're so young. And then she handed me like a lollipop. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> like that works for me. Like, <laughs> that's exactly how I feel, Sister Taylor. I have no idea what I'm doing, but the Lord knows. So it sounds like she had appropriate expectations. She did. <laughs> That's great. I'm so glad that they were supportive and I love, I love hearing how you, how it was when you got called. So it sounds like your ward had youth. Our ward does not have youth here in downtown Salt Lake City. So my husband doesn't really have any youth to work with. I'd love to hear what that was like as such a young bishop. Did they connect with you better? You think how, how did that go with the youth? Oh man, it was honestly, it was probably what I needed more than anything. Um, I still feel their age. I like just want to hang out with them all the time. They're the coolest kids. The young women, the young, the young men were just so awesome. And so to me, being able to share my experience of, hey, when I wasn't really in the gospel, I wasn't happy. And when I found the gospel, I was extremely happy and kind of pushed them. I think I, I helped three of them go on missions and a few others I'm still in contact with and kind of helping them prepare for that being able to share my testimony my experiences to see i have a beautiful wife we had a home we had a family we're raising right i feel like i was able to be somewhat of an example to them and still relate in a way that i don't know i didn't feel like old like i still felt like their age so i could still mess around with them and like relate and, and honestly hang out there's often times where if young men was struggling or whatever i would just call them and we would just like go on a walk we just walk around and talk, just hang out, like legit hang out, like not like, hey, we're going to have a meeting in my office. But hey, I, I would legit say, hey, bro, what are you doing? Nothing. Okay, let's hang out and just go hang out with them. And honestly, I feel like I needed that a lot more. It was really hard for us to make friends um, in that area. Honestly, the missionaries and the youth were our friends. That's awesome. I'm sure those young men and women have been really blessed by you. Us growing up in the same ward, we had some really great bishops as the youth as well. I was just curious, what kind of lessons did you take from previous bishops that you were able to use during your time serving? I'll share this story really fast. I knew when Bishop Wilkinson kind of told me like, hey, this Sunday, we're just going to talk and have kind of a repentance talk. And I remember going into church with all these, like, if he know, like just these bad ideas and misconceptions, being so nervous to just share all these things that I now realized were bad and that I shouldn't have done. I remember distinctly thinking, like, if he knows, if he tries to say, I can't take the sacrament, or if he tries to say, like, for this amount of time, like, he doesn't know my relationship with God, right? And I was coming in there with all these, like, bad, this bad attitude. And then I just remember going in and talking with him and him just listening and us both just bawling our eyes out him saying let's just meet every week and just see how it goes i was like okay it like softened my heart so much that like he really was called of god that god knew me and knew him and that he knew me like <laughs> every week we met and it was just just amazing from there and i think realizing 
how people might feel coming to talk to a bishop, especially like maybe a super young bishop. They might have the same feelings like this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. How is this kid going to tell me about my repentance process? Right. And just listening to the spirit and having faith that God did know what they needed. If I was humble enough and open enough and willing to listen, I could share that feeling and doing those things was really eye opening and it was awesome being on the other side. That's so great. We really did have some awesome bishops growing up, and I'm grateful that you were able to use that experience to bless the lives of others. I feel like that is so much of what Heavenly Father does on earth for us. He puts people in our lives that we need to learn future lessons. While serving as a bishop, you're giving so much of your time to the people you're serving, and sometimes that is not taken uh, very well. Like you were saying, becoming a new bishop, your ward basically had to adjust their expectations of what a bishop could give them. And I think that was such a great lesson for your ward in Arizona. Um, Matt faces the same things here in Salt Lake. He has said in the past that it's, I am doing this out of the goodness of my heart, basically. This is taking up a lot of my time and I don't have that time and I want to be spending that with my family and so receiving criticism while serving has been really tough and I think people all over have that experience serving in the church when they receive criticism that they feel like is unwarranted or just uh, wishing that people would give them more mercy (laughs) in the calling I was just curious what are your thoughts on that Um, and what can you do with the criticism that you receive from ward members You know, a lot, at least for me, a lot of the criticism was like right on the money. I made tons of mistakes um, as a bishop. And I think my vulnerability as a bishop um, helped ease people's minds and maybe their expectations. And just letting people know, you're right. Like that, whatever criticism you have, I feel the exact same thing. Like you're exactly right. Like together, because I don't know what I'm doing, how do you think we can move forward? Like, what are your ideas? And and let's pray about it together. I think just turning it back to the Lord and realizing that it's not me. Like your criticisms about me are like 100% right and I feel the same. But let's see what the Lord like wants us to do. And typically that eases people's minds and resets expectations of like, oh yeah, you're 25. Like I forgot. Let's turn to the Lord because he actually knows what he's doing. I love that. And I love that it's not just that, oh yeah, you're 25, but it's like, oh yeah, you're a human being. We're all here trying to learn the ways of the kingdom of God. So let's be merciful towards each other. Also, you are so humble. I loved the lesson that you just taught and I'm totally going to pass that along to my husband. Carly, you've been left out of the conversation, but do you have anything you want to ask, Blake? Every time I've gone to ask a question, you have asked, but I I love that you shared that and that you had that experience. What a good teaching experience for them as well. You know, I'm not the one in charge here. It's the Lord that's in charge and just continually pushing it back to to Heavenly Father and and to the Savior. I mean, because that's the whole reason for our podcast is like, how do we put Christ first? What do we, what are we doing in our lives? This is where our focus needs to be. And that continually is like the misconception that, that we keep seeing is like the church culture taking over and making it so like we're the ones in charge, but it's like, we're not. But um, one thing that I did want to ask you is with your time 
with the youth. So what are things that you would implement with the youth as a bishop or that you do with your your daughter and or things that you plan to do with your kids in order to teach them that they're a child of God? Great, great question. My theme, it was weird. I felt like I had a theme as a bishop and maybe every bishop kind of has like their thing that they, they share over and over again. My theme was just small and simple thing. Every talk I gave, every testimony was about the small and simple things because they really do make great big things happen. And I shared often that I, I'm a preach my gospel bishop. Like I just love preach my gospel. I would study it all the time and I would invite the youth to study it all the time. I feel like most of my foundation and my learnings came from preach my gospel and there's so much value to it. So thinking about the small and simple things and thinking about, you know, the the invitations that preach my gospel has, a lot of our lessons and our activities were revolved around how we can do small and simple things and the difference it makes in the greater decisions in our lives. So one time we did a, a quick lesson of like how to study the scripture. The discussion was, you know, how do you guys study the scriptures? And I said, well, I read them or I, I write notes or I whatever it is, I highlight things. And so we did like five minutes of, of doing those things. And then we came back and did some takeaways. And there's some good takeaways. And then I would kind of ask, like, what's a small and simple thing we can do to enhance that? It's like, okay, well, let's say a prayer beforehand. And then we said a prayer before we studied our scriptures. And then we actually closed in prayer. And then we came back and it was like a big, this huge like difference. Like, oh my gosh, I felt the spirit. I like got these big, way bigger takeaways that actually apply to my life. Like, that's how I'm supposed to study the scriptures. And they, it was just this experience where they realized, oh, like just a small change here can make such a big difference in helping me realize that Heavenly Father loves me and helping me realize that He listens to me and that I am uh, His child. That's so great. And it's different for everyone. And I love I love that you use Preach My Gospel so much because it truly is an inspired book. But going back to kind of the foundational questions of our podcast, you know, why do you choose to put Christ first? But I kind of want to change that to why do you and your wife choose to put Christ first? And how do you individually and as a couple or as a family put Christ first in your life? I love it. So I'll answer for me. It's like twofold. I feel that putting Christ first is the right thing to do. It's a feeling that I have. On the other end, there's undeniable evidence that when I follow those feelings and that I do actually put Christ first, that my life is better. So not only do I do I feel like it's the right thing to do, when I follow those feelings, the evidence shows that it is the right thing to do because my life is happier. It's Life is just so much better. I've, I mean, obviously, I've made the mistake of not putting Christ first and felt and seen the evidence that I am not happier when I uh, when I don't put Christ first. As for as for my wife, Paige, she is a very emotional kind of feelings person, and she's very, very sensitive to the Spirit. She is a saint, so I don't know if there's been any time that she hasn't put Christ first. And she's a really good example to me, very good at reminding me like of the small and simple things, even though that's my thing. Like She's really the one that helps me stay on track with those. Together, some of the things we do... Um, Routine has been huge for us. In our prayers, we often pray that we can do our best to rear our children up in righteousness and show them where they can find peace. 
show them who Christ is and let them know when we are not around that they can turn to Christ and they can always turn to Christ um, to find peace and joy. Our, it's like our nighttime routine is like our biggest thing is where we like read books. We like say prayers. We'll share scripture story. And she's not even two yet, but as we continue this routine and as we expand it, hopefully it can make an impact. Thanks for sharing that. So you became bishop when you were 24. You were recently released? Right. So I got released August 27th of this year. Uh, My mother-in-law is in like stage five kidney failure. And so she lived like two hours north of us. And we felt really strongly we needed to be there for them. And so in May of this year, we, we moved up. And I did like long distance bishop for like three months. Then they were finally able to release me end of August. So that's like the only reason I was released. Um, And it was actually a really, really hard decision for us to make because we felt like we were abandoning the ward, right? We felt like we were kind of not magnifying our calling and and what we were supposed to do. But also we just felt really strongly we needed to be there for for Paige's mom. So when you were released, I, I remember as a missionary being released feeling a mantle come off me and literally it felt like a weight coming off. I'm just curious when you get released as Bishop, was that similar for you? Did it, was it a relief being released or was it a sad experience? I'd just like to know kind of how that ended. Yes. Paige, Paige always described like, as soon as I got called to be Bishop, she said, it almost feels like there's a third person in our home. Like a spirit is just there. And I agree with that hundred percent. It just felt like as we held the mantle and as we served in our calling, we were very, just very close to the Lord. And it makes sense. Like by obligation, we, we had to be thinking about other people. We had to be trying to serve other people. We're praying for other people. And so naturally we're, we're closer to the Lord. Being released wasn't as heavy as being released as a missionary. I don't know why, but being released as a missionary was just, you got (laughs) dropped, (laughs) right? (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. But (laughs) being released as bishop, it was more of a passing. Like I knew knew the bishop who was taking my place, and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Honestly, in my opinion, way better qualified to serve the people of the ward than I was. It was more of just a passing and a knowing like, okay, those that were in my stewardship are in really good hands and that we can do our best to keep those habits that we had as we were serving in this calling. Still really sad. I'm almost like wondering like every day, like how come no one's calling me? How come no one needs me? Like still really weird switching out from that, but also a a huge relief to be able to put more time into focusing on my family. So moving forward and serving in other callings that you'll have in the future, how do you feel like you're going to do that differently than maybe you would have prior to having served as a bishop? Yeah, I think time management is going to be way different. And uh, my desire to magnify is way different. So I recently received a calling. I'm on the um, stake communications committee for missionary work. And so actually they like want me to start a podcast. They want me to like build this online presence in the stake for missionary work. Yeah, Hopefully that answers your question. I don't really know how to answer it other than it's, it is different. What advice do you have for the rising generations or even for people who are kind of in your similar situation where, you know, they're baptized at eight kind of, you know, weren't super active in the church. My only advice I can give is just based off of my experience, which the Book of Mormon tells us to do this, to experiment on the Word of God, right? Give it a shot. 
really earnestly and in, in with intention pray to know and act on the faith that it is real and have your heart open to to the spirit the rising generation has so many hard choices to make and they have such a difficult time with their attention being pulled everywhere in this day attention is the new currency and and everybody wants your attention including i mean including heavenly fonts that's how we worship him as we give him our attention and our will and our heart if we dedicate time to do that even to experiment doing that because maybe we're not entirely sure i promise it'll make a difference i know in my life as i dedicate time to the lord and as i give my heart and will to him i am so much happier happier than any other thing that can ask for my attention when i give my attention to the lord the returns are are insane. when i follow the commandments he fulfills his promises every single day. And so it would just be to experiment on that and to find out for yourself that 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 will happen. I love how you're talking about how much happiness the gospel brings you in serving in the church. One thing that we've found serving uh, in this calling, we've found that we actually experience a lot of sadness and a lot of heartache. And I do experience the happiness that you're mentioning, but sometimes this calling is super heavy. And I just was curious what kind of things that you would do when the calling maybe got so heavy. In the moment, it's hard. I, I concur. <laughs> I, I agree wholeheartedly. And there, there are those days where you're like, I tap out. The things that people share with you are heavy. And you are asked to, to keep those in and help them and counsel um, the best that you can. I don't know how much trust people had in a 25-year-old counseling them with the really heavy things that they would share. Um, but as I involved my my bishopric as much as allowed, as they would permit, right? I would always ask for permission. I would get really good insights. As I prayed together with them, uh, we would get really, really good insights together. And, and honestly, I did my very best to keep everything very confidential, but I would still share situationally things with my wife and use her as my first counselor. And more often than not, what she said is exactly what the Lord wanted me to do. Utilizing her as support, a beam of support that could hold me up and and give counsel, I think was one of the smartest things I did as a bishop. Awesome. I, I bet Paige is a great counselor. That's awesome. So... I've noticed a lot of members and also people who are just outside the church and don't understand the organization. A lot of people have separated the serving in the church versus having a relationship with Christ. And I just wanted to get your take on how did you come to know Christ better through serving in his church? Just to show people your testimony that this is ordained by Christ and this is what we need to be doing, not just this kind of out in the atmosphere looking for this spiritual connection with Christ, but actually on the ground work coming to know Christ. Right. Understood. No, no, I, I, I love that. And to be honest, I think the times where it's brought me most closer to Christ is when I didn't want it. Those moments where maybe it's not an organized activity that I've known about for a month where everybody shows up and helps somebody move. Awesome. Love it. Like, that's great. But those moments where it's nine o'clock at night and I get a feeling I should call somebody or I should just go over to their house. And I'm like, this is stupid. I don't want to do this, but I do it anyway. Is when the miracles I've seen have really happened, and where I really understand that Heavenly Father does know the details of our lives, and that He needs us to be willing to act 
when he said, I think that's the, those are the times where it's brought me closest is listening to the spirit that way. I think that love sharing invite is really inspired because I think loving is a huge part of following Christ and helping others feel loved, but also sharing our experiences, sharing what we believe, and then inviting others to act on it. I think it's through action where through acting on our faith is where Heavenly Father blesses us with the power to do. Um, And I think as others recognize that just sitting back and loving isn't going to help them unless they're inviting and acting and moving, um, that's where they'll get closest. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Blake. We have enjoyed everything you've had to say. And we think it will be a really impactful episode for our listeners. And we are so excited for you and Paige and your new chapter in your life. And uh, thanks again for talking with us today. Thank you. Super, super excited to be here. And I love the impact that you guys are making with this podcast. I mean, as soon as I saw you guys are doing this, I was like, this is so cool. How can I be a part of it? Is there anything you'd like to say before we sign off? Always my testimony. I do just want to share that I know that if we do the small and simple things, uh, wonderful things will come to pass in our lives. Um, One of the biggest lessons I've learned um, within the past few years is that sometimes we need to, we may be listening, but we need to hear what the spirit is saying. So even if we're listening to general conference or listening to somebody talking to us, we need to listen for maybe the words that aren't being, that are being said, but listen to what the spirit is actually trying to tell us. Like the difference between listening and hearing, hearing the word. And I think that if we are doing the small and simple thing, we will be way more open to receiving that revelation and to know what Heavenly Father would have us do. I know that as we turn to Him, as we give our heart to Him, He wants a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Sometimes it's not fun. I don't think anybody's really like, yay, I want to break my heart. But as we give it to Him, um, because that's what He asked for, we receive way more than, than we could expect. So I know that to be true. I know He lives. I know He leads this church. I know that we are led and guided by a prophet of God today named Russell M. Nelson, and that as we do our best to follow our counsel and turn our hearts to the Lord, that we will find true happiness. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Awesome. Thanks again, Blake. Yeah, thank you so much. So good to reconnect with you guys. And thanks for doing this. You guys are making make a huge impact. Thanks for listening to the Christ First Podcast. Check back with us next Friday for a new episode.